Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. For obvious reasons, we keep this place as gloomy as possible. Welcome to Mind Poppers Podcast. We are as a people, inherently and historically, opposed to secret societies. Once you get used to these grim surroundings, you'll never leave. Nobody ever does. We continue now with tonight's case, Conspiracy. Now, right now, listen. We are recording. Welcome back to the Mind Poppers Podcast. I know the podcast is late this week um, by a day. I'm saying by a day, presuming that it's going to be out in the morning. Um, but you know what? In order to save everyone's feelings or whatever, you should treat this podcast as like a birth. Okay? We Yes, we have an estimated day of arrival and usually we're pretty accurate. But, you know, give it if it's a day late, if it's two days late, as long as it's happy and healthy, we'll get over it. And that's how I think we should treat the situation. Um... Now, before I get into this episode, I have to invite a very special guest onto the podcast. Kim Kardashian, she's here to make a public statement about the divorce. Kim, I'm going to leave it to you. Hey, you guys, it's me, Kim. It is with the heaviest of hearts that I confirm the news that my mom has been leaking to the press for months that I am divorcing Kanye. Fortunately... This separation has come about amicably. This separation has come about amicably. I Kim, I think the word you're looking for is amicably. This separation has come about amicably. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Initially, I planned on separating from Kanye last year, but he was really struggling with his mental craziness. And I didn't think he should have to deal with that alone. So I sent him to the ranch in Wyoming to be alone. The doctors told us that Kanye was bipolar. But I always just thought he was regular gay. We had a custom 16 foot bed. So I didn't mind having to share with Jeffrey. We all had lots of room. I kind of like having Jeffrey around. There was always a lot of free makeup to use, which I needed, since I haven't been able to look Kylie in the eye since she made a billion dollars. What is important for us moving forward is our children, North, etc. We want them to have two loving parents regardless of the situation, so I hired two nannies that were actually husband and wife. Even after divorce, I will never regret marrying Kanye because it gave me my baby, and that baby is called publicity. But I've outgrown him now, like keeping up with the Kardashians. I've kissed his ass goodbye. I'm evolving like a beautiful butterfly. Who knows? I might even turn Lebanese and marry a woman next time. <laughs> Mahatma Gandhi once said, 
something in Indian. Thank you for watching. Uh, Kim, this is actually a podcast, so people are actually listening to us right now. <laughs> of course. Thank you for watching with your ears. <laughs> and there you have it. And there you have it. Um, another beloved couple, another beloved public couple, I should say, implodes upon itself, proving that all the money in the world can't buy you love. Um, but you know what, I think they had, between Kim and Kanye, they had like a combined net worth of like 2.1 billion. Um, and also word on the street is that the divorce is going very smoothly. They're in the middle of dishing out who's getting what properties. Because uh, obviously they don't need to go after each other's money, okay? That is, that's the easy part. Um, and apparently Kim's breaking point was when Kanye announced that he was running for president. Um, and like I can imagine it was tough for her like Kanye is definitely hard to live with like the man is mentally unstable at, at least from what we've seen you know and I mean like we're all mentally ill okay I say that all the time I always project mental illness onto you guys but we are all mentally ill okay I get that but there's being mentally ill and then there's being unstable with your mental illness and Kanye seems unhinged to me quite frankly and look I'm sure you know, that is a factor in what makes him a great artist. But he's definitely fucking unstable. Like, we've seen the videos of, like, him when he was doing some sort of run for presidency. And he was talking about, like, he was like, my wife. Okay, I better not do an accent. <laughs> but he was saying, like, my wife was, you remember when he was on about, like, that they almost had North, like, abort, like, North was almost an abortion. <laughs> And he was like, my wife Kim stood there, you know, with the pills, the pills that would kill the baby and all that. Um, of course, like, <laughs> like North is going to, you know, grow up one day and realize that she's an abortion survivor. <laughs> but he was unhinged. He was saying things that did not need to be said. Like, the man was unhinged. It was, it was apparent to everyone, anyone who followed his Twitter, it was unhinged. And look, I understand that people are bipolar and people are depressed, people are anxious and they grow and live like very productive, normal lives, you know. But I think it had gotten to the stage with Kanye, at least from the outside looking in, from us looking in, he seemed unhinged to the point where you're like, okay, you know, is this person, person, you know, capable, I guess, or, you know, whatever. But um, so they're doing joint custody of the kids. So there doesn't seem to be anything wrong there. No, um, no drama, no fights. They're going to do even custody of the kids. Now, what I will say, is how is that going to work with the kids? Like, is Kanye capable of being alone with a child? Let alone four kids. I think that's how many kids the two of them have. Four children. He seems unhinged. So, in what capacity will he be able to have the kids? Who knows? I mean, I don't know. I mean, look, I'm sure he's a, he's a great father or whatever. But, you know, when he's, like, you know, having these episodes... You know, is he, can he manage four children while he's having an episode? I mean, I don't know. I mean, look, it's not like the kids haven't been exposed to fuck up, fucked up things. I mean, any kids that are growing up in the Kardashian dynasty, you know, who grew up like with a fucking camera in their face or, you know, are growing up and have seen like so much documented or whatever. I mean, look, it's not like those children are growing up traumatized regardless. So I guess why not give them to Kanye? Let them, you know, get let them get the full fucking whack of what's to come. Um, but you know, I guess seeing um, Kimmy a divorce, and what what I will say is, 
Um, again, I don't really want to talk about this for much longer because this is not what I want to talk about for this episode, but but I just thought it was an interesting thing. Um, what I will say is I'm happy for Kim. I mean, I guess, again, do I have the the cerebral real estate for Kim Kardashian's happiness? No. Do I give a fuck? Really? No. I mean, I guess in theory it's nice for Kim is what I should say, you know, because Kanye, I mean, look, Kim is hot. She's worth a billion dollars. I'm looking forward to seeing who Kim Kardashian dates next. I wonder, will it be another rapper? But I'm, that's what I'm very excited about, is seeing Kim Kardashian dating. Who is she? Who are the two of them going to be linked up with? Is going to be interesting post-Kimye marriage. Who, you know, will will one of them start fucking around? Will one of them go much younger? What is it going to get messy? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm excited to, to see. I guess we'll see. And I guess he brings into you know, the question we must ask ourselves, is marriage an antiquated concept? You know, is it unrealistic, like, or harmful to assign ourselves into these contracts where we promise ourselves to another person until the day we die? Like, is that unrealistic? I feel like that it, that it must be. Because, I mean, look, how, how many of these marriages are ending in divorce, you know, till death to his part, you know, doesn't often see it that way. Um... Or, you know, on, on the inverse of that, like people who remain married for their lives, but do so in very unhappy circumstances. Um, you know, because it's interesting because in some modern pagan relationships, um, for, for, for an example, I think in, in kind of relationships that lend or tend towards more of like a nature-based, like Wicca type of, of, of way of living, they have this... Um, kind of I guess their marriage equivalent would be a ceremony called a hand fasting ceremony basically it's just where the two hands are like tied together it's, it's quite metaphoric it's nice um but but basically what they will do these people is they will kind of like kind of have terms of their marriage so for example when they do this hand fasting ceremony <clears throat> they will agree to remain in a committed relationship for 10 years and then at the end of that 10 years they will you know come together again and they will have the open dialogue of do we want to do this for another 10 years and you know if if people are still in love and it still brings happiness and they sign on and they agree to you know they might do the ceremony again and, and stay together for another 10 years and so on and so on you know rather than signing up for life you know so at these intervals 10 years and it's not just always 10 years it's you know I guess whatever you want yourself but I do think that is a, a very interesting con- concept and I think it seems like a very healthy concept you know and, and you know you can take my advice someone who has not been in a healthy relationship once in their life um, but it does, doesn't it? It does seem better um, to me. It just seems like a healthier way to, to go about things. Less dramatic. Um, and, you know, I guess while we're talking about marriages and love, um, you know, there are some animals, actually, that will pair off together for life, which I think is quite beautiful because animals, you know, they seem just a lot less wicked than us, than humans, don't they? One of these um, animals that you, that typically were made for life is the wolf which and i love wolves and yes like typically they travel in packs yet those packs are actually usually made up of small families so within a pack of wolves it's it's small families you know um so two wolves will typically um they'll spend their whole lives together okay again which is beautiful and wolves kind of like remain fertile up until like the very end i don't think wolves have a very long lifespan i think it's about 10 to 13 years but wolves 
um, typically can are, remain fertile, so they can continuously have have little pops, um, almost up until the day that they die. Um, I can't. Re- there's a name for that. I can't remember the 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 scientific name for an animal that um holds on to its fertility throughout its lifespan. I can't remember it. Um, but it was actually a beautiful sounding word. Sorry about that. Um, and you know it's actually interesting if you see a lone wolf. Okay, you know the way we're always given this um image of of the lone wolf the singular wolf sorry i was drawing that sentence out because i felt like i had a burp coming and i was hoping to to have have that out mid-sentence i guess i'll I'll suppress it um so if you do see a lone wolf okay um the chances are that it could mean that their partner recently died yeah so if you see a lone wolf howling at the moon it could be because their mate for a lifetime has just fucking died yeah fucking digest that <laughs> um now i'm sure wolves howl at the moon for many other reasons um but you know what what i was thinking about animals something that i was thinking about during this week and i don't know why it came into my head i guess it was because i was in bed it seems like where i spend all my fucking time these days um Yeah, so I was thinking about bugs, okay. And in particular, I was thinking about, um, you know, the way people say that you, like, eat three spiders a year in your sleep? Which is something that I think we've all heard from a very young age. Like, oh, you eat three spiders in your sleep? (laughs) But, I mean, have, have we ever really looked into that, you know? Well, you'll be happy to know that this is not factual, Okay. Spiders have no interest in us. Spiders regard us like a big rock. Essentially, people are so large that we're really just a part of the landscape to them. At least that is what Bill Shear of the Hamden Sydney University of Virginia has to say. And I like that. I like knowing that that myth we can debunk. That we're not eating spiders in our sleep. Um, but of course... It is a fear, you know, like you're in the bed and the thought that while you're asleep, a spider could be crawling all over you and like dipping its bollocks into your mouth or something and you would not even know a thing. Uh, Fuck that anyway is what I say. Um, But so apparently the experts say that spiders probably find sleeping humans terrifying because a slumbering person breathes has a beating heart and perhaps snores. Some of you, not not I, but some of you for sure snore. And all of which, okay, all of these things create vibrations that warn spiders of danger. And vibrations are a big slice of spider's sensory universe. And that a sleeping person is not something a spider would willingly approach. That was also a queer, <laughs> not a queer, <laughs> also a quote from Bill Shear. So yeah, it, it would seem that like when we're asleep, to debunk this myth fully, we're not eating spiders, okay? If it's, if we happen to find a spider in our mouth, it is either self-inflicted one or a freak occurrence because everything that we do in that bed vibrates, okay? Um, and spiders don't like that. Do, they do not like that. They're like, they're not dumb. They're not going to like walk up and tea and be like, they're not going up for a nose. Do you know the way like your grandmother used to be like, oh, he's only having a look at you. He's only checking you out. That's not the case, grandma, you fucking imbecile. Um, the spider is not checking you out. Vibrations are a big warning to spiders that danger, danger, get out of there. Okay. So I think we may be able to sleep that little bit easier. 
and you know and thank the gods is what I say because I feel like I vibrate a lot during sleep you know I'm just on that higher vibration 24-7 I guess <laughs> but no in serious in all seriousness the way I'd be farting at night the spider would think it was crawling up the Chernobyl reactor <laughs> you know and that's just a fucking fact <laughs> and you know what I'm one of those people, like, I always have that thing as well, like, where I think I'm falling at night. You know, when you jerk, like, <laughs> you know? And I'd be bouncing around the bed like someone possessed. Um, so I'm definitely, like, a big danger, kind of a danger sign to spiders. Like, I feel like they are not coming towards me with that Hiroshima booty um, and all that jerking I'd be doing. Um, I just I just feel like I'm safe you know unless you're one of those people like who have a very low heart rate and are like deathly still in the bed which is not me I'm a turner um but you know what while we're talking about um sleeping um does anyone else have that anxiety around people watching them sleep and I don't mean necessarily like me being asleep and there being like um you know like a home invasion like a home intruder or like a pervert or like some sort of demonic entity like at the end of my bed watching me while sure they're concerns it's not like a main you know I don't draw a main a lot of anxiety from that what I'm kind of referring to is like a potential love interest watching you sleep because one thing that I know about me is that I don't sleep pretty you know I'm I'm not sleeping pretty you know the way some cunts are lying down in the bed and like as soon as their bed hits the pillow they're like out like a light first of all those people that can just put their head down to the pillow and are like lower vibration energy i refuse to believe anyone on that higher you know vibrating on that higher frequency can put their head to the pillow and just fall asleep because i feel like we just have too much on our mind with the weight of the world on our shoulders so uh, we don't we don't fall asleep like that you know but but these other these beautiful lucky ignorant bastards they do the people that would just go out like a light and you know what more often than not they're the prettiest sleepers because they got nothing going on inside they, they're not on their mind nothing weighing them down they sleep the best they sleep the prettiest but like i said i know that i'm not a pretty sleeper i'm not you know i'm always like you know i'm like that kind of like something hanging out of my mouth or the mouth open or like i'm fucking like you know doing something nasty you know rubbing up and down against that mattress or something in my sleep you know it's it's not conscious um so I I just like that is an anxiety for me I'm like I don't need you looking at me when I sleep you know like face the other fucking way because I know that I don't sleep pretty at all and I know I have that double chin thing you know like you know because I've I mean you've seen it you know you've seen an ugly sleeper you know there's some very ugly sleepers out there um some of you got some of you could be getting some of you could be in the bed with him right now um and look, I, I know I'm, I'm one of them. I'm not a pretty sleeper, you know? Um, so that is something that does give me some sort of anxiety, which I realize is a bit of a tangent. But um, nonetheless, so basically we ruled out the spider eating thing, which is nothing more than a myth. But however, okay, this is where it gets that bit interesting because you thought you were in the clear Okay, you're not eating spiders, okay? So the question, you know, we're looking at is, what are we eating? Because we're eating something, I'm afraid to tell you. Um, But the experts are saying, okay, that the average person swallows between one and two pounds of other small bugs, like flies, every year. So, one to two pounds. I'm not exactly sure 
what one to two pounds is. Like, if, you know, I'm not the kind of person who's like, oh, a, a two pounds of flour. That doesn't help me. I, I don't know what two pounds is. So I went and crunched the numbers um, because I wanted to I wanted to find out, you know, how many bugs we were actually ingesting if we're having one to two pounds of bugs every year. So, oh, sorry, there it is. Excuse me, I hope the microphone didn't pick that up. Um, so, like I said, I went and crunched the numbers, okay, to break this down further and to get an estimate of how many bugs we are eating a year. So, as it turns out, okay, and you're not going to like this, you're not going to like this one bit, as it turns out, there are 100,000 houseflies in a pound of houseflies. Okay, I'll repeat that. 100,000 houseflies make up a pound of houseflies. So, which means, I guess, uh, uh, you know, running along the, the mathematics of that, if we're consuming two pounds of bugs every year, like these experts are saying, then are we consuming 200,000 houseflies per year? You know, and the thing is, look, I'm not saying it's we're just living strictly on a fucking diet of houseflies. I'm sure there's other bugs going into our gombeans, okay? But I'm just saying, like, obviously we're consuming, you know, a certain amount of houseflies. So 200,000 houseflies per year is what we're eating. Like, what the fuck? Isn't that mad? Isn't that, like, how am I still hungry? <laughs> how the fuck am I still hungry? 200,000 houseflies a fucking year we're eating. You know, I did not expect my body to be some sort of insect motel or insect graveyard. You know what, actually I did. <laughs> I did. My body is trash. <laughs> but 200,000, like, fuck, that's a lot, isn't it? And, you know, you'd expect, like, if, You'd expect, I suppose, I guess, for them to fucking fly away with you with all of them inside of you. But I crunched the numbers. Um, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Um, I crunched the numbers, okay. And it would actually just I, to find out out of absolute morbid, I guess, boredom. <laughs> but it would actually take 8,390,000 flies to lift the average person off into the air. So... There you go. Now, I bet 200,000 flies could make a good go at lifting a baby off into the air. And I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that happen for sure. Um, but you might also be interested to know, while crunching numbers, I, I again, went on a tangent. But it would take 1,000 pigeons to fly off with a person. Um, which I know I'm off on a tangent. But it is fascinating measuring animals in how many of them it would take to um, abduct, abduct you successfully. Um... You know, uh, in because I had fallen down this rabbit hole of, you know, of when I found out that we're not eating spiders and then I found out what we are eating and this whole concept of us eating 200 fucking thousand bugs a year. Um, it, it, it triggered like a, a painful memory in me that I tried to I push back to, to the, the darkest recesses of my mind. But I remember hearing about it and I'm, I'm sure you've all heard about it. But um, just while I was on the topic of bugs, I wanted to mention Cambodia, okay, which is famous for its cuisine. So in Cambodia, I guess the food in Cambodia is quite famous and that is because they have one distinct thing on the menu, something that is, I guess, considered a delicacy and which thousands of people eat every day in Cambodia. And that is 
tarantulas. Sorry, I paused there for a second. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I just want to Google where exactly Cambodia is before I talk about Cambodia. I mean, if I was guessing, I want to say Asia, but then again, I don't want to sound like an idiot. And I guess a lot of people listening might not know where Cambodia is either because I'm very um, geographically um, stupid in terms of the positions of everything. So maybe we'll all learn right now where Cambodia is. So Cambodia is a Southeast Asian nation. Knew it. <laughs> Knew it. So Cambodia, is, oh my God. Okay, this will make it easier. Cambodia, I guess, is in, oh my God, I still don't know what country it is in. Oh my God, if Cam- Cambodia isn't okay if Cambodia is a country I'm sorry okay but what I can tell you is that it is next to Thailand and Vietnam so I want to say it's in China I do I'm going to say it's in China okay let me pause again and find out if Thailand is in China or if it's his own country okay I'm back and as it turns out they're all countries so they're not in China I guess but they're they're independent countries okay and now and now we know Okay, yeah, it sounded stupid right there. But now we know. We won't be made fools of again. Um, so, Cambodian tarantulas. Okay, so like I said, they have a big diet of tarantulas. Before I get into that, because I, I was reading a really interesting article earlier on during the week about the tarantula trade in uh, in Cambodia. But, so when I was in work, in my, in my last job, um, there was this guy called Sean who I'd, you know, meet on my breaks who was also working there and we'd blow the wind, you know, is that what they say? Um, but we had a charming back and forth because he was very outdoorsy and well-traveled and I guess I was more so a bit of a lump. Um, so we had a good bounce off each other. So he was telling me on his travels, I think he had, he was good doing the Vietnam, Thailand, Thailand, <clears throat> and then was coming into Cambodia which I said is, you know, where they're eating the tarantulas. So he was telling me this chilling story and I'll never forget. But when they arrived in in Cambodia, they were getting off the bus. And he said that, so, you know, there is, like I said, there is a big, like, trading. There's a big market for tarantulas in Cambodia. So he gets off this this tourist bus in Cambodia with, with his group, whatever. And he said there's, like, a little girl standing there, um, like, you know, seven or eight years old maybe younger and she's holding a bucket 
okay and in the bucket it's a bucket of live tarantulas and this girl also has like tarantulas like crawling all over her body um and it's because like they know like the tourists are getting off the bus so like these like kids will come up with their buckets of tarantulas you know and seeing like if the tourists like you know want a picture you know one of the tarantulas and then they'll obviously give money to the kid or whatever but oh my god can you imagine that like that is i'm never going to cambodia first of all ever never going to cambodia i don't care if it's the last place on earth because imagine getting off the fucking bus to be greeted by a little child a little girl with a bucket of tarantulas and and tarantulas crawling all over her even the visuals of that are terrifying enough the chilling actually um but i oh my god i wouldn't i i first of all just wouldn't be able spiders are my thing the thing that make me just close up like uh but oh my god getting on and imagine that little girl because you know as well they're trying to make their money okay so it's not it's not going to be a case of like oh you go up to them because he was this guy was telling me sean was telling me that the, the little girl like came up to them and was like holding out the tarantulas and stuff and and all that like i will tell you now and look i'm an advocate for children i mean i'm an advocate i don't know i don't hit children that child i would I would batter that child and I and I'll say that now and I'll say that you know with my chest I I would have to my instinct would either to be to, to would be fight or flight in that situation um and if it was fight I'm going to lay hands on that 8-year-old Cambodian girl I'm going to do it you know I wouldn't have if that girl and this is how terrified I am of spiders and not not to, to mention tarantulas but if this little Cambodian girl is coming at me with her fucking pail of tarantulas and like holding one out to put it on me you trust and believe that I'm going to punch her in her fucking throat 100% and that's not even an exaggeration sometimes I do exaggerate about who and who I am not going to punch in the throat that little eight-year-old Cambodian girl I'm I honestly I'm going I'm going straight for her fucking windpipe because that is just terrifying to me and I remember him saying that like the little girls they'd be coming up and they'd be like playfully like putting the tarantulas on you before you even asked you know uh-uh I'm not doing I, w- I wouldn't do that at all and I know a lot of you like probably have those like pictures from like when you went to fucking like Port Aventura on your holidays with your parents and like you have that like picture like of where you're terrified with like the tarantula on your shoulder like at some sort of I don't know like parrot meets magician hotel magic show by the pool whatever I don't know but not me not me any girl any little girl or little boy person full stop I mean, preferably child, because they'd be easier to to disarm. Coming up to me with a bucket of tarantulas, it doesn't even have to be a bucket, it can be tarantulas singular, are catching these hands. Um, and I may not be much of a fighter, but in that situation, watch me kill. Watch me fucking kill. I just, it's it's terrifying, isn't it? And it's even, even for like Australia, I was like, I will never go to Australia because of the size of those fucking spiders the same guy actually while we're, we're talking same guy lived in australia with, with his friends 
and he said one day and I guess in Australia they these like huntsman spiders that are like almost the size he said now that this, this thing was like almost the size of a dinner plate so I guess he was like walking into his bedroom I can't remember if he said he was walking into his bedroom or walking into his bathroom one day when he when he was living in Australia but so he, he walks in anyway in the door of his we'll say his bedroom and like something catches his eye so he walks into the bedroom and then turns around so on the wall of his bedroom is this huntsman spider he says the size of a dinner plate and he said but apparently these guys are like jumpers they jump and he said he could see this thing angling its legs that it was about to jump uh-uh. <laughs> don't like that so I, 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 I like thought like, I, I would never find a place that terrified me more in terms of spiders and eight-legged things than Australia but Cambodia because that is like something out of a fucking horror movie you know so look I, I won't dwell on this any longer but one I'm not going to Australia two I'm not going to Cambodia and three I would beat those children I would beat their ass and more you know it would be uh, it would be a horrible sight um, but that's terrifying if anyone listening has actually been to Cambodia or has done any of that kind of tarantula thing do let us know because that is as, as much as it is terrifying it is fascinating to me sorry I was trying to pull up that article I was reading during the week about Cambodia's tarantula trade so listen to this right the article starts off with Soi Lun that's her name Soi Lun takes off her hat and puts a hand in her pocket she pulls out not a wallet or a phone but a tarantula as big as her palm. Oh my God, another Asian lady I have to punch in the throat. Um, out of her fucking pocket. Um, this one crawled up my leg when I was selling them, so I kept it, she laughs. Okay, mania. Okay, psycho. Car- walking around with a fucking tarantula in your pocket for what purpose? Um, so the article says basically that every day soy receives crawling sacks full of the huge hairy spiders and counts and counts them out into plastic bags like she's doling out candy okay um so i guess basically wherever in this city i guess it's like the capital for this um tarantula like market for food for food for tarantulas for consumption um and, and it's a delicacy um so as well as like the wholesaling of tarantulas um and they sell it at like a busy intersection i guess on the street like i guess a market but they only sell female tarantulas which are prized for their eggs they carry in their abdomens which look and taste like tiny fish roe i'm guessing fish roe is like caviar like fish eggs i don't eat meat i don't eat fish haven't for almost 13 years this lent by the by um a male tarantulas apparently fetch half the price, I guess, because they're smaller and they don't have these coveted egg sacs in the abdomen. So, um, Soy then is basically explaining the process. She says that we don't got them. We just wash them in water and throw them in the pot, then fry them up with spices. They can also be grilled and dipped in sauce. Um, they say that it's kind of, like turns into jerky the texture um but you can't put them into soup because they will become all fluffy oh my god that is fucking i mean look i mean it's disgusting to me as someone who fucking hates tarantulas hate spiders don't even hate them because like they've never done anything to me i don't hate them i don't have room in my spirit for hatred but they terrify me i guess is a better word 
So I definitely don't want to put them anything any of them near my mouth. I don't even want to be in the vicinity of them. It hurts me to the fact knowing that I live in a country where, you know, someone in Ireland has a pet tarantula. I don't even that doesn't even sit right with me. Um but anyway, basically in the article it was saying that because of overhunting, coupled with widespread deforestation, it's putting like a lot of pressure on, I guess, the tarantula population. And soon there, you know, might not be any spiders left at all. Um Okay, well, we get over that. Um, So basically, this journalist, anyway, um, I think her name is Zoe Osborne, but she is, um, she is trying tarantula for the first time. And she says, the first thing I notice about the creepy snack is just how much it still looks like a spider. I buy two of them, one male and one female. They come in a plastic bag, still a little hairy and glistening with oil. They were fried in. Even the locals find it hard to explain the taste of a tarantula. Some say it's like crab, but most have told me the only way they you know is, is to try it. So the logical thing is to nibble at first at its legs. They are crispy with skin slightly separated from the meat like tempura. They don't taste of much, kind of like cylindrical potato chips. It's trickier to get into the body, like I'm pushing my spoon into a stress ball, which doesn't split, but bulges instead. Oh my God, and there's a picture um, of the tarantula, the two tarantulas on the plate. They are just as wicked, just as disgusting as you'd anticipate. <clears throat> I've been told if you bite into it, it bursts in your mouth. Ugh. The abdomen is slightly bitter because all the organs remain inside, but the eggs themselves are surprisingly tasty. <clears throat> I don't like it. I don't like it. I'd like to, I mean, I can tell you full stop right now. I would never buy tarantula. I would never try tarantula. If I live the rest of my life without seeing a tarantula, that would be perfectly fine. Would you listening? Okay, because there's. I know there's a lot of freaks. Uh, on the other end of these airwaves okay I know there's a lot of this voice reaches the ears of a lot of freaky people would you or have you I would be interested to know in trying tarantula like if you're walking down the market in Cambodia and they're like having these fried tarantulas are you buying them and you should see the pictures okay of these markets they have like hundreds of these fried tarantulas stacked on top of each other in bowls even walking past that would make me shit myself um it's just horrible i'll actually upload some of these photos tomorrow after the podcast is out so that everyone can actually see what i have to see because i don't know i don't want to be the only one seeing this um apparently they're a good source of protein i guess but still i i I don't um I don't want to know it. So basically, I guess during the 1970s, the tarantula became an essential source of food as Cambodia fell under the Khmer Rouge regime. So I guess the the delicacy of tarantula, I guess, in Cambodia has come about due to necessity because these people, you know, it was either eat tarantula or starve. And I guess tarantula was something that, you know, stayed on the menu all these years later. Um, because I guess it was a situation of people ate literally anything that could make them less hungry. Um, so this couple anyway, um, they opened up their business in 1995, um, when a few vendors started selling tarantulas at the side of the road. There's a picture here actually of, um, spider sellers moving in between cars. 
you know the way when a car is parked and in that odd time you have like people like selling newspapers at busy like road junctions with like traffic stops so think that but people are coming up to your car with big bowls of tarantulas oh my god i put pedal to the metal i wouldn't care who was in front of me hopefully that little cambodian girl with the bucket um but i'd be off like smoke off the tires um but god it's it just i remember i'm actually looking for something in the article right now it gave me like a number about how many they're getting every day um <clears throat> and it was it was it was terrifying um sorry i'm looking for it oh yeah so basically right they were saying that the tarantulas they come from like their suppliers are from farmers all over cambodia so the supply chain is fluid basically but basically i guess people are farming tarantulas like tarantula farms another little workshop of horrors but so farmers might find spiders then one guy collects them and brings them to me so this is um the the this is soy the vendor spider vendor talking she said farmers might find spiders then one guy collects them and brings them to me or sends them through the boss or something sometimes i go and get them it really depends on the situation um so a ping live in the jungle in deep holes covered with a thin film of spider web uh, i'm guessing this is a type of spider so when farmers find a hole they dig until the spider emerges if it is too deep it's hard to keep on digging so they use a leaf to get the spider to come out um and then some people also will use chemicals when the spider emerges they grab it by its back and remove its fangs they use the farming tool as such as a knife and push the tool into the fangs if they don't know how to do this they just use a nail clippers to cut out the fangs without their fangs aping begin to die um but one occasionally will slip through with fangs intact and if you're bitten the pain can last for hours well the thing is look as much as i said i i I dislike spiders and tarantulas i also don't like to see people doing anything cruel to them you know or to any animal for that matter so that doesn't make me feel better it doesn't make me feel good to know that tarantulas are hurting you know it does not as much as i despise them um so um the the reporter is talking to another vendor okay of the of these tarantulas and it says in the article that one vendor match buys a new batch of spiders every three days, waking up at 5 a.m. to fry them before selling them at the intersection. So Match says, I usually buy 400 to 500. If a lot of people pass, I can sell up to 100 per day. Excuse me. Excuse me. So two other large markets are the Chinese and Vietnamese who buy spiders for medicinal purposes. Um, one seller named um, Sochiera has wow my Chinese accent flew out of me there Um, has jars of rice wine containing whole scorpions and tarantulas that's horrible that is just it's just again look just because we don't even eat it over here doesn't mean it doesn't mean it ain't right but it just doesn't sit right with me it doesn't and you know what it's the fact that um you know they go on in the article talk about like they get these like two big sacks every or you know when they're putting the spider orders like imagine so two big sacks and they're ordering like between 400 and 500 spiders every delivery day imagine a fucking a sack each of 200 tarantulas and keep in mind when these people get the tarantulas they're live they're live tarantulas and some people are making their living in cambodia by going out and fucking 
finding, like having to stick their fucking hand down a spider hole to get these tarantulas and then to sell them. It's just a whole lot of, it's a whole lot of tarantulas that I want to have nothing to do with. Nothing at all to do with. It's actually quite terrifying to me. I would never be. And I know people like go on holidays and they try all these like adventurous foods or whatever. Like we're in France, let's try escargot. Not me. I would never be able to fucking eat a tarantula. It's just, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. I don't know what else to say. None of it sit right with me. None of it. Um, Like I said, I'll put those photos up on the Mind Poppers Instagram page tomorrow so you guys can actually see it. Because it, it's like one thing hearing it, another thing seeing it. Um, <clears throat> but at least what we can take away from this is, I feel like we learned a lot today about a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> Well, no, we learned that wolves mate for life. And we learned a couple of beautiful things, a couple of tragic things. We heard a personal statement from Kim Kardashian. Um, well, yeah, we learned about how many bugs breeding and we were able to disprove that spider myth. I think that kind of will give a lot of people listening a bit of ease because I know it gave me ease about, you know, finding out that um, spiders, you know, one of their main, you know, how they navigate this world, one of their main sensors is, you know, through vibration and that a sleeping human is like a no-go for them. So I feel like we can all kind of rest that a little bit easier tonight, I guess. Um, so I'm, how long have we been recording? Okay, we're going on 44 minutes. I think we can leave it there. What I do want to, something that came across, um, I came across this week, which I want to leave with you. And I think it'd be a nice way for us to finish off is that, you know, when you're, say like lying in bed and you have your eyes open and you can kind of see like the outlines of things in your room like it's a pitch black room but you can see outlines of things and you can but you see everything through a certain color kind of like a I guess what they call a brain gray you know in the absence of light what we see we see the outlines but it's all dark because obviously there's no light there's no color that color that you see actually has a name when you open your eyes at nighttime and look around your room and that kind of dark gray has a color and that color is called Egengrau. Egengrau is the color you see in the absence of light when you have your eyes open at night. There you go. There you go. Um, a little something for you to, I don't know, impress your friends with. Um, in the meantime, always stay woke. Um, but it would help the podcast a lot if you're enjoying it. If you leave a review beneath, if you share it with a friend, if you put it on your Instagram, whatever, it means a lot to us. Obviously, more listeners means more money. Um, and there isn't a whole lot of money, let me tell you that. <laughs> um, but anyways, in the meantime, and until next week, stay woke. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.